Hello and welcome to the Political Notebook Podcast. I'm Billy Robb. I'm a high school teacher. And I'm Robert Robb, editorial columnist for the Arizona Republic. Usually uh, in these podcasts, um, Billy leads the discussion and, and asks me questions, and I struggle to uh, respond to them, particularly when he moves on to the subject of sports. Uh, we're going to kind of reverse roles uh, in this particular episode uh, because the topic is the teachers, uh, the shortage of teachers. Uh, and Billy has uh, uh, devoted uh, his most recent Substack newsletter, the Choya Express, uh, to exploring uh, his perspective and why he thinks that the teacher shortage exists and what needs to be done. Uh, to change uh, the nature of the job uh, in order to uh, overcome it. I found very interesting um, your perspective as to why teaching should be an intellectually rewarding uh, occupation. Uh, And uh, I think it's useful to sort of uh, have you explain that uh, as sort of identifying what the job of a teacher should be, and then that can create a baseline for us as to how it's falling short of what ought to be a very attractive um, occupation, uh, even if somewhat less uh, remunerative uh, than some other professions. Sure. And the the pod, or the the Substack newsletter is choyaexpress.substack.com. I'll leave a, a link to it in the... Uh, in the show notes, the podcast, but, um, but yeah, start out talking about, um, what should be, uh, attractive things about the teaching profession. And, and, you know, the reason that, um, that I show up uh, every day to do it. Um, <clears throat> and that, that line actually comes from what my very first year as a teacher, um, had, had dinner with the old, little old timer, an old timer teacher had me over for dinner. And I just remember, uh, talking with him after dinner and he said, you know, it's, it's an intellectual job. And, and that kind of what had, that's what had sustained him. And when I think about <laughs> myself and, and, in the future and what, what's, what is the point, <laughs> you know, sometimes you ask yourself, uh, but I think that it is, it is about ideas. It's about um, history, English. You know, it's stories, poems. Uh, you can immerse yourself in, in whatever your craft is. And then I think we think about college professors as as being intellect as an intellectual profession. They're they're researching. They're um, they're writing. But we don't we don't usually think of classroom teachers that way. That they're just you know implementing whatever, you know, homework, whatever task, whatever work, uh, worksheets and, and this and that. And, and that's, and that's kind of what to me drains the, um, the fun out of it and drains the the stimulation out of it. But, um, but you know, what, what are schools at their best? Um, they're vibrant places where, um, where you've got passionate people about, you know, passionate about different subjects all in the same place and all trying to engage young people in, um, in that, which is a, you know, to me, that's a, that, that's an awesome, that, that's, that has the potential to be an amazing institution to, uh, to work at. Um, and it, and it should be, 
fun uh, for student, a fun place for students to be at too. And um, obviously, the focus and the discussion about what to do about the teacher shortage has been on um, salaries. Right. And uh, you you say that it's not just about salaries, and I even get the impression uh, that you think it may uh, mostly not be about salaries. Um, but um, what's your um, perception of uh, what advances the state has made on that score, and how much further uh, does the state have to go? I would say it, it's about the money, but it's not. It's not just about the money. And you know, there there are teachers that you know they're not starving, but they're they're struggling to get by compared to. Um, the other fields that they probably could have chosen uh, to go into. Uh, and so it is, it is a, it is a challenge, um, especially for people that have to pay off, uh, pay off loans. And I know, I know teachers that, you know, drive Uber after, after school and, and they try to, you know, make extra money to, to take their kids on vacations, which, you know, again, they're not in, in poverty, but um, they're not sort of, uh, sharing in, um, you know, the sort of fruits of the of the alternative sort of uh, choices that they that they could make uh, in their lives, but um, but that is what the sole focus has been on is is more resources, more money, more money, more money in, in schools, um, and that was my frust that was one of my frustrations uh, as well with with the way the Red Fred movement went, which. Um, you know, I think it was at the time it was launched. It was it was much needed to have uh, teacher voices collecting uh, together to say we need to get paid more money. This is not this is not sustainable from a financial perspective. But uh, there's so many other things, and I I, I read about them uh, in the in the latest post. Uh, the working conditions, uh, the practices within uh, within schools, the common practices. Some of those are. Uh, due to state policies, but some of them are just common practices that, that most uh, school administrations implement that um, really zap the, zap the fun out of the, out of the job and, and, in my opinion, waste a lot of hours uh, of work that are really not, um, not necessary for uh, what the heart and soul of teaching should be. Let, let, let's st- Stick with money for a little bit yet. Um, in in the piece, you you sort of speculate that uh, if you could change the job to be what it should be, and we'll get into the specifics of that in a moment. Um, maybe ten thousand dollars a year more on average um, might be sufficient to make the intellectual challenge and reward uh, be sufficient. But if um, you didn't uh, change the job uh, in the ways that you describe, uh, you think it might take as much as thirty-five to forty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, more. and how, how I would say it would be, it's teaching is a, a fun enough and a you know it's a I also describe it as a hope-filled profession that you've got you know, you're working with young people, you're working with the future generations. You don't have to, you know. Um, you don't get maybe the clout of being in, you know, board meetings and, and, and making big decisions, but you also, you know, just get the joy of having 
optimistic young people um, having ideas and, and, and inspiring them. Um, so it should be that, that, you sh- that you should get a high caliber of talent to take a little discount on, on, on salaries compared to what they could have made in order to work in this intellectually stimulating and, uh, and hope-filled environment. But it's actually the opposite, I think. I think that, that you would actually take more money than their alternative to get them in the classroom because the experience is uh, oftentimes unpleasant and draining and and there's just so much stuff where it's like you know what this is this is not worth it anymore and uh, and and so so I think if if nothing else changed like what you know we we've, we've got these in Arizona we've had these twenty percent raises um, mostly implemented um, over the last few years. Um, that's not made a dent in the in the teacher shortage. I know we've had a pandemic happen, and and it's probably going to probably would take longer time to see the effects of raises uh, with with the profession like that, and in the um, in terms of solving the teacher shortage. But I think that there's not going to be enough, <laughs> and 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 it's not and it's not just because of the of the money, but it's because of the conditions. That if you if you let the conditions all the same, I think it would take at least uh, ninety thousand uh, dollars average, um, and that might not even do it because uh, people that you know would would in order to fill all the teacher slots, you, know, you have to attract people that could make um, close to that if they you know if they progressed along in their in their profession. Now, uh, Matt uh, Benberg of the uh, Goldwater Institute has an interesting uh, study uh, in which he says that uh, all the money that has been earmarked for teacher salaries, uh, both uh, from the 20 by 20 uh, Ducey program and the previous Prop 301 special sales tax for education, and this is a point I had previously made in, in columns, uh, just hasn't gotten to teachers. Um, uh, he compares what teachers would have gotten if they had gotten salary increases proportionate to other funding uh, that the schools got, and then indeed got this extra funding on top of that. Uh, and he he finds um, that uh, as little as as I recall the figure forty to forty five percent of the money that's earmarked for teacher salaries is actually getting to uh, teachers. Is there a recognition uh, that the problem, while it may lay in part at the feet of the legislature, may not uh, lay entirely there, um, and uh, a frustration that uh, our market experiment uh, with school choice uh, isn't uh, giving priority, uh, isn't resulting in priority being given to what is the most important component of student achievement, uh, which is um, teacher quality. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if there are, I know that there is a frustration of of feeling like uh, you you know te- and I've um, in the blog in here uh, I'm I'm not I'm not you know I I'm satisfied uh, for the most part with with my own 
with my own school. I've chosen to teach at this at the school that I'm teaching at. Um, a lot of what I'm talking about is coming from conversations with lots of teachers from all different they're different schools, public public schools, um, different different kinds of charter schools. So I'm I'm sort of um, speaking in a general way to talk about the public education system um, in in Arizona. Um, but I think there's there is a frustration. Um, and a, and a feeling that they could probably get paid more. Um, but um, there's always the, well, there's so much else that they could spend money on. And, 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 um, and you know, everybody knows that, that the money's tight in, in the budget. And, and it kind of is like, like, a, <laughs> sort of like a collusion, um, I think, to, that there is nowhere else you can go to get that much higher of, of a salary in a school. And you do get a benefit of staying in a school from getting to know the kids and stuff. So it's not just like you're going to be a free agent every year um, shopping around for the next couple of thousand dollars that, that you might be able to get from a different school. But you don't see any school saying, you don't see any school saying, look, come work for us. We're going to give you a premium. And, and you know, if you keep working here for 10 years, you're going to be making eighty, ninety thousand dollars $90,000. I don't see anybody say that. I don't, I don't see any schools doing you know, exit interviews to say like, what, what can we do to keep you here? What, how can we, um, you know, how can, what is going on that we, so I, so I guess they're not at, you're talking about the, mar, you know, the mar, market system or whatever. And, and I don't think schools for whatever reason, I don't think schools are approaching it, um, in that way. It kind of feels like, you know, you just need you just need a replacement teacher for these um, for these positions. This is what the going price. This is what the salary is. Um, we can't budge on it. Um, and then if if uh, you know if your if your teacher that's that's really dedicated, you know, doesn't want to do it anymore, well, you just find the next find someone else that's that's going to go in there. I think um, so. You know, I know that teachers do have the most important difference on on outcomes as you say but i I think there's also um sort of just a a lack of recognition of hey this this our our, the school is the teachers um and they are the ones that are in front of the students every day they're bringing this content alive they they make our school what it is um it's not you know the the administration is important and and I know the charter school movement, you know, at at first it was saying that one of the reasons why they wanted to have it was to, to have a place where teachers could open up their own school and and have that. I don't, I don't see a lot of schools that were uh, in that, in that mold. Um, But I, what what do you, I mean, why don't you think from the market perspective, the free choice, uh, you know, we have, we have student choice, we have uh, enrollment numbers that are, that are made, uh, a lot of school funding is based on enrollment. Why do you think we're not seeing a premium being placed on uh, on teacher salaries? Uh, it's a mystery to me, and, and one that I plan to address in a um, upcoming column, um, because it appears uh, that um, a um, school choice, uh, market-based approach to education has produced uh, substantial benefits for students, um, but. Uh, given that uh, the component that a school controls that has the largest um, 
influence on student outcomes uh, are teachers. Uh, it is a market failure um, that uh, this isn't putting a premium on teacher salaries. Uh, the Goldwater piece uh, documents that teacher salaries are a declining percentage of overall expenditures at, uh, in school districts, um, and uh, that ought not to be. I think, and we'll get into it, it it's in part the failure of the accountability system, and um, I don't know. I, I think that probably student choice is being more driven by the school environment than it is necessarily by academic outcomes, uh, because I think that we obfuscate uh, in our accountability system uh, differences in um, student outcomes um, by uh, our uh, letter grading system. Uh, you and I are both critical of it, although I think uh, coming from different perspectives. But let's let, let's move on to I think is um, your I believe, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is uh, your central point, which is uh, what's happened to the job itself. Uh, you're a teacher. Uh, your brother's a teacher. Your mother was a teacher, and. Uh, from watching all of you deal with your job, I came to the conclusion quite a while ago that to do the job as it is designed, um, as on paper is expected, uh, would be a 70-hour-a-week job. Uh, and uh, not much of it uh, would uh, go into preparing lessons, plans, uh, teaching students, grading their paper, giving them evaluation and feedback, which is the heart of what a teacher does. Uh, and I propose that there needs to be a time management study done uh, to um, say, here are the core functions, and add them up to 45 to 50 hours a week and then get rid of anything uh, that uh, falls off the table. You have some, I, I thought you had a very telling example about what happens at the start of a school year uh, to illustrate uh, the way that uh, a teacher's time uh, is channeled away from uh, what will go into a uh, improved learning experience uh, for the students and um, that intellectual satisfaction that you described for the teacher, you might um, go ahead and cite that. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll come to this too by saying that I'm a, I'm a high school teacher and I, um, I teach upperclassmen, juniors and seniors. So that's, that's kind of like what my personal experience uh, and expertise is from. I can't, I can't speak with the same level of expertise uh, for what the best practices are for like an elementary school or, or a middle school uh, in terms of what you want them to learn. <clears throat> but, you know, I, I, I remember back um, on, on kind of the teachers that made the most impact on me as a student. And I kind of think about like, how would they, looking back at the way they taught, uh, how would they be evaluated on like a teacher evaluation tool that, that I get evaluated on? And they, they would, 
they would not score very well at all because they don't do X, Y, Z with their scaffolding or with, with all these technical terms and these pedagogical techniques that, that, that school spends so much time focusing on and drilling and making sure teachers try to do. And, and a lot of it will go out of style next, next year. And it's like some new school of thought will come around and, and design these new teacher techniques of what you're supposed to do. Um, and, and so it kind of, it kind of, it, it becomes over, overwhelming, um, to try to, to try to keep up, um, and spend all the time planning for, for that. And the, the example that I, that I give is just a typical example of the starting of, of the year is that, look, you're starting the year, you want to, you know, you're coming off of a, of a summer break, trying to recharge your batteries. Maybe you, maybe you went on vacation or maybe you had to work some, you know, summer school or whatever, but, but anyone's like, okay, a week, a week, it's a week away. School is a week away. You know, what do I need to do? You're thinking about your, you know, the courses that you teach. You're thinking about, okay, what's the progression of, of these courses? Do I have, you know, do I have a map or sort of like a, you know, do I know where I'm going this, this semester? Um, uh, so you, you work, you're thinking kind of big picture about that. But then you're also sort of like, there's so many like, do I have Kleenex boxes in my room? Do I, um, do I have pencils that, that are ready? Um, how do I want the seating arrangements to, to be like? Um, do I have the syllabus printed out? Do I know exactly what I want my icebreakers or introductory activities to do? You know, you want to you want to obviously start on the on the right foot. You know, um, getting a sense of authority in the classroom, but um, you know, but having the the respect beyond hey, this is what we're trying to learn. So, but that's there's so much time that it takes. You could spend a whole week just doing that. Um, and, but most schools, um, and I've talked to district school teachers, uh, other charter schools that I've, um, that I work with and, and talked to, to other folks and the primary practices packing every single day with mandatory meetings where you're listening to some, you know, new method or, or the new, the new initiative that you're doing that year. Um, you're hearing someone, you know, talk, 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 and, and, and truly, expected to do all the work that you need to do for your class on your own time. And I would say that's, that's typical of, of other sorts of practices, um, you know, throughout the week. Um, and, and, and so you, so you end up spending a lot of time on compliance stuff with, with administrative, uh, you know, practices, um, unless, and less freedom to sort of research your own profession, you know, research your own subject, get more in depth um, with your own knowledge of it. Um, so, so I don't know why that I don't know why that that's the case. I don't know why that why these practices uh, have started. I don't know if administrators just feel like that's this is all very necessary when it's not. I don't think they have really taken a step back and looked at is this even. Is this even helping our, our students? Um, is this a good use of our time? I think that's uh, something that needs to be thought about now you uh, make, a lot. You make the case, and this may be part of what contributes to this um, excessive um, bureaucratic apparatus within which uh, teachers have to operate, uh, that uh, the adoption of the AIMS test and the accountability system associated with it 
was a, a major mistake and a step backward um, for education and the profession of teaching. Why don't you explain why you feel that way? Well, just because where we're at now is um, is so hyper focused on 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 test scores and, and, and the AZ merit um, is our is the test that we use now, and and, and really it is um, the do, a dominant force that impacts uh, a whole school. It is the it is a focus of the the administrators because um, that's the goal. That's what they're and that's what the we we've we've declared that the ultimate goal is scores on this test. Um, and so all the initiatives are uh, focused on that when it's, it's kind of counterintuitive though, in my opinion, because I think that um, I think that it's better to um, this takes take reading, for example. You know, AZ Merit focuses on math and language and or math reading and, and, and writing. But let's just look at um, look at English and reading. Um, if you look at you know the younger grades, um, you want um, a broad range of knowledge. A reader um, to read well, you need to understand the context of what the heck you're you're reading. Um, and this is um, this is really important, and it's not. I don't think it's it's emphasized or even thought of very much. Um, that if you take excerpts of a text, so the AZ merit would be like, okay, they take this random excerpt of a text, um, totally out of context, and they'll say, let's read this, and let's practice finding what the main idea of this is, of this text, and then and then identify like specific supporting details of, of the main idea. Um, but if you're just drilling that, um, you're not, you're not taking a deep drink into the, you know, uh, the, the range of knowledge that you would need to understand a new text that you saw. Um, and there was, uh, there was one study and I linked to it in the, um, in the blog, um, about you take two groups of kids, um, one group of kids has a low reading level, uh, but they, they know baseball really well. So low reading level, they know baseball really well. A different group has a very high reading level, um, but they do not know baseball very well. They, and you give them a, a reading passage about an inning of baseball, just a reading passage of an inning in baseball. Who's going to score better in that test? They find that the low readers who have a more knowledge of baseball will score better on that reading comprehension test just because they know what they're reading about. Um, and so I, in my opinion, and this is, I'm not just making this up, I'm, I linked to something that influenced my thinking on this in, in the text, is that even if your goal is to get high AZ merit scores, the way that we're teaching, the way the curriculum works in our schools is robbing students of the knowledge and the broad range of reading and text and context that they would need to become better readers. Um, and, the, and, the, and the article I linked to also connects that to math because there are, if you have to read a math problem and understand what it's asking you um, for like a word problem to, to, score, to score well on, a, on test scores. So I think, um, you know, the AIMS really started the, the push to... Um, increase the standards and, and to have the mindset of like, let's make 
college prep for everybody a requirement, which, which raised the standards and then put all the pressures on teachers to like be accountable for bringing all the kids up to these, um, to these standards. Um, but then, so I think that sort of, that sort of started, uh, the, the path that we're, that we're on now. Um, but now with with the AZ merit, it's just, it, it totally absorbs the way we teach. And I think that is, um, that's important. And it's, it's something that's makes this a school, uh, more, interesting place to be like let's say instead of telling administrators their, their main job is to score well in the AZ merit what if your main job was just teach kids how to read really well <laughs> you know just that little difference i think would make all the difference in the world um i've been uh, sharply critical of our accountability and testing system because i don't think it yields any um, useful uh, information. I don't know it from the inside like you do as to the way that it distorts what occurs in the classroom. Uh, but I do believe uh, that if taxpayers are going to invest billions of dollars in the K through 12 enterprise, uh, there needs to be some kind of standardized tests uh, to uh, track uh, the way the money's being used, and to empower parents to make uh, decisions as to where uh, they want to enroll uh, their kids and how their kids are doing. Uh, let me pass by you the reform that I have um, argued for and tell me whether you think it's compatible with your view of what needs to happen uh, in order to um, return teaching to being the intellectually rewarding experience uh, that it should be for teachers and students. Uh, it's my view that there's two keys to all learning, uh, reading and mathematics. Uh, and uh, the only thing the state should be testing uh, is um, the ability in those two areas. Uh, and uh, all it should publish is school results in absolute terms and school re results on the basis of yearly gains um, so that you don't, um, obviously, for more affluent areas, you're going to have better scores in terms of where students are until we make um, educational out outcomes uh, more equal. Uh, but uh, yearly gains ought to give the advantage to those that are teaching low-income uh, and uh, more disadvantaged students uh, if you've got teachers that are actually helping to uh, close the gap. I would have accountability for students in that if they uh, weren't hitting a certain threshold at critical points, third, sixth, eighth grade, um, they would be offered uh, intense remediation to recover the deficiencies. But if they didn't recover the deficiencies, they wouldn't be promoted, that that's unfair to the student, it's unfair to the upstream uh, teachers. Um, accountability for schools and teachers would be based upon um, school choice, uh, armed with that basic information about basic skills, not the full planopy of the uh, AZ Merit or the Ames uh, Regimen, uh, um, 
you would give parents that information and accountability would be based upon your ability to attract students, which would be in part based upon test scores, but also substantially based upon the overall school environment. Right. Do you think that that system would be compatible with returning teaching to an intellectually rewarding activity for teachers and students? Well, in terms of getting the first point you made about, you know, we spend so much money on public schools. How can we show the taxpayers that they're getting value uh, for that money? Um, I would I would say that the AZ Merit is definitely not <laughs> a, a good tool or the way we use it within our schools is 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 a horrible tool uh, to do that. I mean, Matt Ladner always talks about we've um, uh, researcher with the uh, with the charter uh, charter school association uh, always tells the NAEP tests, which you know very com- very very confident. Uh, assertions that Arizona students are basically kicking ass and making progress with this test score. Well, how did they get that result? It wasn't through AZ Merit. They're doing what? Samples, I guess, of they're doing sampling. Yeah, yeah of, it's it's large samples in every state. And, and if that data is good enough to make strong assertions about the way Arizona schooling is, is doing and, and making progress, um, I think we we should be able to do something like that um, as a as a measurement tool, rather than having it become something that uh, that is a high stakes thing for the schools that is going to um, negatively impact the the learning environment and and but what about high stakes for the students? Um, I would be very concerned about setting setting a setting a score. Uh, limit and saying if you don't reach this score there's going to be consequences for you because because some kids are not going to get it <laughs> there there is a wide range of of um of a standardized uh test but it uh, wouldn't be um based upon a college prep track it would be based upon what you need to know to be able to comprehend uh, what you're going to be taught at the next level. So, so you're you're taking a, a low. Uh, you're taking like a baseline of like this is absolute minimum of what you need, and now we're even the language that we're talking about now is like it. It doesn't sound very good because we're talking about you know the the, the lower end of the scales and people not being able to meet a, a certain a certain cutoff point or something. But but is it fair to either the student or upstream teachers to be moving kids along that uh, that are capable of acquiring the skills? We're not talking about special ed uh, students. are capable of acquiring the skills necessary to learn the material at the next level, but just have it. Um, it, it, it seems to me that, that that's better for students and uh, better uh, and much better for upstream uh, teachers not to have to do the remedial work themselves or simply turn a blind eye that they have a certain number of students that can't do the work. I guess I would say that uh, you would see less of that if you had a better if you had a if you had a better curriculum if you had a better teaching methods in terms of vibrancy of uh, of learning and that, that kids want to be there and they want to learn if you created a 
Um, if you took all the, I guess if you took all the obstacles out of the way that's preventing that and you um, approach the management of, of a school in a way that um, that is geared towards that end, I think you would see left, less of that. I don't, I don't really see how, um, I could see it setting a goal um, and have, having, it, having it there. Um, I could see having courses where you'd have to demonstrate uh, have have to demonstrate you know a certain level of of aptitude um, to 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 advance to those levels. And now we're even talking about okay, are we talking about separate tracks of uh, of learning? And that's you know that's very controversial uh, to talk about as well. But um, but I think schools do need to be versatile in the way they and the, the way they. Um, have their have their offerings um and to promote more vocational education and, and not and not to judge it as like that's worse than being really good at math i think now it's like kids kids have a lower reading scores they have lower math scores and they're made to feel like they're they're stupid um and uh freddie DeBoer, uh i've been reading some of his uh blogs he he, he wrote a book called the cult of smart um, and he kind of goes at, he's a, he's kind of a radical socialist, but he's, he's, uh, he's, um, so his solutions, his solutions to his, his critique of this, uh, what he calls the cult of smart is like just a total socialist makeover of society. But his, I think his critiques, um, are, are valid. Like we are obsessing over academic um knowledge and skills when um when we should be also equally uh valuing uh those that are awesome at you know at at mechanics and and different things not like it's exclusively it's not like anyone's exclusively going to be in one category or the other um we just to promote it like we're our artists in our in our uh in our and our actors and our and our and our novelists, you know, how <laughs> could you imagine a novelist going through a you know the AZ merit like a future novelist? Like how would they how would they be like sitting in the average school um, getting taught this common core curriculum? Yeah. They would probably flunk out, you know, they probably would be rejecting um, you know, if you have a really uh, unique thinker, um, probably is not gonna be complying with all of these you know systems that that we've made the the um, newsletter uh, doesn't really provide a, a road map of reforms to get us from where we are to where uh, we need to to be what would you say were would be the key um, first steps uh, to um, reducing uh, the hours required on the job uh, and uh, giving priority within those hours to um, preparing lessons, delivering the lessons, providing feedback to kids, the, the core essence of teaching. I think looking at the, looking at the school schedules, um, looking at the, looking at, I mean, I think your idea of, of doing a whole sort of evaluation of, uh, of time um, with an eye to what is actually, you know, 
what is actually a useful use of time, I think that would be I think that would be beneficial. Um, I think giving teachers more sort of uh, not not responsibility, but more um, now if you give teachers more autonomy, um, that comes with a certain responsibility, right? So like, you know, um, instead of instead of instead of spending thousands of dollars purchasing, you know, whatever lesson plans and curriculum you're supposed to use. I mean, what if, what if, uh, what if you're just like, okay, this teacher is an English teacher, you know, they're, they're teaching English. We're going to support them if, if, you know, however much they need it, but, um, that money's going to you and you're designing your, your systems. Uh, I don't, I don't know if that would be just more work on top of it, but it would, it would transition it more from like, a treating a teacher is more like, we approach college professors of like, look, their job is the subject matter and teaching history and teaching this, teaching that. Um, and, and they're the experts in that, you know, are, they're the experts in that. They, I know that some, um, I didn't put this in the blog, but there was one, there was one article in AZ central a few years ago, um, of a charter school that had like 90% retention rates of their teachers and their, their administrator talked about how they, had a flex time for teachers, how they had individual professional development budgets uh, for teachers so that they were able to get, you know, what they what they wanted out of it and have some, you know, be treated like professionals that can adjust their schedule a little bit when they when they need to or they want to. And they're not so constrained by, you know, the um, typical schedule. That's I think, you know, we just need outside the box thinking like that. And we need to promote uh, ideas that are actually having the outcomes that, that we want to see um, rather than trying to standardize it and enforce it through um, bureaucratic, like, checklists, you know. So I think part of it's attitude change, part of it's, a, you know, awareness of it. But I think getting rid of all the incentives like the AZ Merit as a grading system, I think that that needs to go uh, – probably before you get that those changes made on a wide wide uh, wide ranging scale uh the newsletter is the choya express uh on Substack. uh a very interesting take on an important uh, subject um from someone who's in the trenches and with that let me turn it back over uh to uh, rightful control for the Political Notebook podcast and let Billy take us home. Yeah, thank you, everybody, for listening um, to the podcast. You can find us on Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks.